0: So, Afterglow Sunday, can I get an amen? All right, so I got about a 70% amen, which means maybe 30% don't know what Afterglow is. So, Afterglow is a time where we go out after service as a fellowship. We go, we take over by force. Godfather's Pizza right up the road on Sunnyside in... A 146th, so I want to invite you right after service, we're heading up there we're going to go eat pizza, it's all-you-can-eat pizza buffet, so come, fellowship, hang out eat salad if you want salad, it's going to be a good time, and then the last announcement is this coming Friday night, February 3rd is our third monthly uh, this is our third time our game night down at the Promise Center uh, off of 135th and Highway 212, uh, see Jenny uh, for more information on that, it's a great time if you love board games and if you love dip Uh, There's some real good dip. (laughs) Michelle Presting brings some amazing dip. So uh, come out. It's going to be a good time. Amen. amen.
1: Thank you, Matt. You're going to hear from Matt again in just a few moments. I have a nasal voice, if you can uh, hear that already. And uh, I've asked him because this morning's text is going to be about 67 verses. And, uh, yeah, it's a a long text, but uh, I really, my heart's desire is that you would, even in the imagery of your mind, you would kind of unfold the story and you'd see that happen. But before we get to that portion of scripture, it is Sanctity of Life Sunday. We believe in life. Amen? We believe in the sanctity of life. God's idea was life. Life begins at conception, biblically, and that's how we understand. And so we defend those that are defenseless. And we are blessed to have in our midst a new director in the area uh, for the Pregnancy Resource Center and I'm going to invite Jeanette Osman to come up. She is, yeah, amen, let's give her a hand as she's making her way up here. <laughs> kind of a neat and miraculous story how she is here and some pieces together with that but Jeanette has some information to share and uh, I'm just very very excited to be in a strengthening relationship with Pregnancy Resource Centers, and in the body of Christ, as well as in this community and in the world, that we would be in defense of those that have no voice. Amen? Amen. Jeanette, take Amen, it away. Is this on? You are on.
2: Okay. So, yes, thank you so much for allowing me to um, come and tell you a little bit more about First Image and the Pregnancy Resource Centers, um, and the Sanctity of Human Life. I'm calling it the whole month now. It seems like it's done that. So. I know that Pastor Dave's gonna say a few words when I'm done and I have a limited time. I wish I could go after him and then I could match it. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, um, the, f- the, um, the mission statement from First Image is to renew the image of God in the lives of those that have been impacted by sexual brokenness and abortion. Um, first Image is kind of our parent company and then there's three ministries that fall underneath. And the first one's the Reality Project which is an awesome project. They go into junior highs and high schools where they're invited and they talk about sexual integrity. And they do it based on facts, and they let leave those kids with the idea that they are valuable and loved. Um, the second ministry is called Heart, and it's a post-abortive Bible study. And it is phenomenal. Um, and they really help women know that there is hope and healing after abortion. Um, Then the third one is the Pregnancy Resource Centers, and there's four of those in the greater Portland area, and I am the new director at the Southeast Powell location. So we get some interesting women in there, as you can imagine, but um, a little bit about how I came into the ministry is that many, many years ago, I was teaching Bible study, a women's Bible study, and really was convicted afterward that God was going to judge our country for all the lives lost. And I thought, what can I do, Lord? And I could not picture myself doing anything political, but I do have a counselor's heart for hurting women, so it seemed like a good fit. And so the Lord um, drew me to the Pregnancy Resource Center in Bakersfield, California, where I am from. And I was a volunteer there for about six years, and then I went on staff for two years, and then moved up here, and now I'm um, the director at the Southeast Pregnancy Resource Center. So. I just wanted to tell you um, a quick story about a typical type of woman that would come in. There really there is no typical woman, right? <laughs> as far as that comes into our center, but that statement was true as well. Anyway, uh, came she, this young woman came into the cen- one of our centers last spring. She was in school full time. She wanted to finish with honors. She had a goal to become a lawyer, and when her test came back positive, she was just devastated. Even though she had support from her family, support from the father of the baby, she still was very undecided and very abortion-minded. Um, the counselor met with her, gently gave her some options, um, talked to her about what she could do. The gal actually came back a couple of weeks later for an ultrasound, but when she left, she still said she was undecided. So fortunately, the um, counselor followed up with her, and the, but the gal said, you know, I am, I'm going to the abortion clinic. I have an appointment next week. So at that point, it's pretty devastating, and we pray. We pretty much pray all the time while we're there anyway, but they just prayed for her. It was months later that she contacted her counselor and said she went into the lobby of the abortion clinic and had started weeping and remembered her ultrasound, and she thought, I can't go through with this. And so she did change her mind there, and she still said to herself, I do not know how I can have a career and be a mother, but I choose this baby. So we get all kinds of stories, and like I said, and different kinds of women that come in, but um, that's just one. I do want to just let you know that First Image is not political, but we believe that we're the compassion-based Christian response for women that are— Experiencing an unintended pregnancy. We really do care about women. The statistics these days say that about one in three women have abortion in their lifetime. And sad to say that that statistic holds true for peop- women who say that they are in church as well. And so I am really happy to be here. I really believe that the pastoral staff at Hillside would be compassionate and a safe safe people to go to if you found yourself in that position um the other statistic i want to share with you is that about 85 percent of women who are abortion minded will change their mind and choose life after an ultrasound um and then lastly just to let you know that we are nonprofit; we don't take any government uh, monies at all so we do fundraisers throughout the year so we're always looking for help with that and um to talk about that a little bit in a minute and just uh, if you have any other questions i'm going to be in the back or in the foyer or something and i would love to talk to you if you're interested in volunteering or helping us in any way or if you just have other questions okay so thank you again so much
1: in relationship to First Image and Pregnancy Resource Centers. And the school program again, what is that called? Reality Project. Project. So (coughs) several things that we are engaging in as a fellowship. Our fellowship is initiating what is called Uncommon Courage or what we're calling Uncommon Courage. We are putting together school assemblies to go into the local high schools, the local middle schools even down into the local elementary schools. We have on our horizons not only the North Clackamas School District, but we're looking at Oregon City, we're looking at uh, Damascus, we're looking at uh, all the way into Barlow and Gresham. Our goal is to convey right messages, messages that carry with them righteousness, if you will. One of those avenues is going to be through the first image group because they can get into all of the health classes and discuss abstinence and moral purity. And it's a powerful message that our young people need to hear from the very onset. Even our fourth and fifth graders need to hear the message. And so we are, that's, that's one element of our Uncommon Courage school assembly programs that we are going to be providing to our community. It is an arm of outreach for us. It is an extension of the body of Christ into the schools, communicating truth, communicating righteousness, with also the opportunity and an invitation to come and hear the extended story or uh, the rest of the story, as Paul Harvey would say, and uh, hear testimonies of how Christ has made the difference in people's lives in evening rallies for young people, so really want to encourage you to be praying in that. Uh, in regards to some fundraisers, we have really three different fundraisers that we will engage in over time with First Image and Pregnancy Resource Centers. First of all, there is the Steps for Life. Steps for Life is in May. I believe it's uh, the third Saturday in May, something like that. You'll, get you'll hear more about it. But Steps for Life, we've been a part of in years past. We are going to re- Connect in that arena. The next is Gateway to the Gorge. It's a it's a five and ten k run. I think it is. We've done that in the past as well. Believe it or not, I actually ran in that. Uh, okay, maybe I maybe I fast walked. <laughs> at any rate, uh, with the idea of raising funds and to have a mobile ultrasound unit that can go around and have young women get an ultrasound so they can see the child being developed in their womb. It really has a tremendous impact. And so raising funds so that there's not just one of those uh, units that we could have multiple units, how awesome would that be? And so just really encourage you there. And then thirdly, we'll have the baby bottle drive coming up probably in the month of June or July where we'll distribute baby bottles, and we'll be encouraging you to put your paper money and your coin money in there, and then we'll collect those all up after a period of time, and we'll see what kind of dollars we can all raise. that sound like a good plan? It's an awesome opportunity for us to be engaged, and we want to encourage you as members of the body of Christ to be in prayer. To be in prayer, this is a battle for life, a battle for life. Can I get an amen? Amen. amen. Now, I will tell you that the recent march... Uh, We had for the very first time the March for Life. We had the Vice President of the United States not only participate, but he addressed the crowd. That's very, very exciting. We stand for life. And let me say this, uh, Jeanette said that they're, they're, they're not a political organization, they are a response to the realities of what's happening. Listen, when it comes to politics, and this is just a little side note, because in this room right here, there is difference of opinion. Realize there's difference of opinion, but at the end of the day, you realize that your opinion doesn't count. God's word does, and if your opinion varies from God's word, the truth is you need to repent. You will find yourself fighting against the Lord, and that would be a bad place to be. That would be a bad place to be. Why would you do that? Right, the author of life. Why would you fight against? Right, and so if that's offensive to you, so be it. The word of God, the word of God is offensive to our flesh. What is appealing to our flesh doesn't make it right. Everybody understand that? I mean, nod your heads with me if you recognize. And when you, when you and I, if you're uh, if you are a non-believer here today, you've not given your heart to Jesus Christ we're encouraging you to do so, but to every believer that is sitting here, the magnification of God's word in your life and in my life is paramount. Psalm 138 and verse 2, he has magnified his word above all his name. We must magnify the word of God, and when when it's in its proper place and I'm in proper submission to it, I will recognize when my carnality is craving something other than the word, I fall under conviction, and I can choose to submit. I may not even understand it, but because God said it, I'm going to say, yes, Lord. Does that make sense? And so if you're here today, and if it's, if it's life or some other element, as we grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ, may we in an ever-increasing manner be submitting to his word in our lives. Amen? I mean, there's a sermon there. Because listen, every single person here to one measure or another, we're not submitting to the word of God. We could all stand and repent. Right? You see, we already know to repent. Amen. Pastor Matt, come on up. We're gonna will you turn in your Bibles with me? Feel like we've already had some church.
0: <laughs> Praise the Lord. I will now be closing in
1: prayer. <laughs> <laughs> Someone take the mic. <laughs> I'm still catching up for Sundays we've missed. <laughs> uh, Turn in your Bibles with me, if you will, please, to uh, Genesis chapter 24. And the words will be up on the screen here as well. And it is a long text. I would invite you to get, get caught into the historical narrative. In a matter of speaking, see yourself there. Let the movie begin in your mind. And see, you might even try and smell the desert air, if you will. Pastor Matthew.
0: Smells good. <laughs> That's what it says 24, verse 1. Now Abraham was old, well advanced in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all his things. So Abraham said to the oldest servant of his house, who ruled over all that he had, Please put your hand under my thigh. And I will make you swear by the Lord God of heaven and the God of earth that you will not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell, but that you shall go to my country and to my family and take a wife for my son Isaac. And the servant said to him, Perhaps the woman will not be willing to follow me to this land. Must I take your son back to the land from which you have come? And Abraham said to him, Beware that you do not take my son back there. The Lord God of heaven who took me from my father's house and from the land of my family and who spoke to me and swore to me saying to your descendants I will give this land. He will send his angel before you and he shall take a wife for my son from there. And if the woman is not willing to follow you, then you will be released from this oath. Only do not take my son back there. So the servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham his master and swore to him concerning this matter. And the servant took ten of the master's camels and departed, for all his master's goods were in his hand. And he arose and went to Mesopotamia, to the city of Nahor. And he made his camels kneel down outside the city by a well of water at the evening time, and the time when the women would go out to draw. Verse 12. Then he said, O Lord God, my master Abraham, of my master Abraham, please give me success this day. And show kindness to my master Abraham. And behold, here I stand at the well of water, and the daughters of the men of the city are coming out to draw the water. Now let it be that the young woman to whom I say, Please let down your pitcher that I may drink, and she says, Drink, and I will also give some to your camels to drink, let her be the one that you have appointed for your servant Isaac. And by this I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. And it happened. Before he had finished speaking that, behold, Rebekah, who was born of Bethuel, the son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, came out with her pitcher on her shoulder. Now the young young woman was very beautiful to behold, a virgin. No man had known her. And she went down to the well and filled her pitcher and came up. And the servant ran to meet her and said, please, let me drink a little water from your pitcher. And so she said, drink, my lord. And then she quickly let her pitcher down out of her hand, and and she gave it to him to drink. And when she had finished giving him a drink, she said, I will draw water for your camels also, until they have finished drinking. Then she quickly emptied her pitcher into the trough and ran back to the well to draw water and drew for the camels. And the man, wondering at her, remained silent so as to know whether the Lord had made his journey prosperous or not. Verse 22. So it was when the camels had finished drinking that the man took a golden nose ring weighing half a shekel and two bracelets for her wrist weighing ten shekels of gold and said, Whose daughter are you? Tell me please. Is there room in your father's house for us to lodge? So she said to him, I am the daughter of Bethuel, Milchal's son, whom she bore to Nahor. Moreover, she said to him, We have both straw and feed enough to room and lodge. And the man bowed down his head and worshipped the Lord, and said, Blessed be the Lord God of my master Abraham, who has not forsaken his mercy and his truth towards my master. As for me, being on the way, the Lord led me to the house of my master's brethren. So the young woman ran and told her mother's household these things. And now Rebekah had a brother whose name was Laban, and Laban ran out to the man by the well. And so it came to pass... When he saw the nose ring and the bracelets in his sister's wrist, and when he had heard the words of his sister Rebekah saying, Thus the man spoke to me, that he went to the man, and there he stood by the camels at the well. And he said, Come in, O blessed of the Lord. Why do you stand outside? For I have prepared the house and a place for the camels. Then the man came to the house, and he unloaded the camels and provided the straw and the feed for the camels and the water uh, to wash his feet. And the feet of the men who were with him, food was set before him to eat, but he said, "I will not eat until I have told about my errand." And he said, "Speak on." So he said, "I am Abraham's servant. The Lord has blessed my master greatly, and he has become great. and he has given him flocks and herds and silver and gold, male and female servants and camels and donkeys. and Sarah, my master's wife, has bore a son to my master, and when she was old. And to him he has given all that he has. Now my master made me swear, saying, You shall not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites, in whom's land I dwell, but you shall go to my father's house and to my family and to take a wife for my son. And I said to my master, Perhaps the woman will not follow me. But he said to me, The Lord before whom I walk will send his angel with you and prosper your way. And you shall take a wife for my son from my family and from my father's house and you will be clear from this oath when you arrive among my family for if they will not give her to you then you will be released from this oath and this day the lord or this day i came to the well and said o lord god of my master abraham if you will now prosper the way in which i will go behold i will stand by the well of water and it shall come to pass that when the virgin comes out to draw the water I will say to her please give me a little drink from your pitcher and then she says to me drink and I will draw for your camels also let her be the woman whom the lord has appointed for my master's son but before i had finished speaking in my heart there was rebecca coming out with her pitcher on her shoulder and she went down to the well and drew the water and i said to her please let me drink and she said make haste and let her and she Made haste and let her pitcher down and from her shoulder. And she said, Drink, and I will give your camels a drink also. So I drank, and she gave to the camels a drink also. And then I asked her and said, Whose daughter are you? And she said, I'm the daughter of Bethuel, Nahor's son, whom Milchow bore to him. So I put the nose ring on her and the bracelets on her wrists. And I bowed my head and worshiped the Lord and blessed the Lord God of my master Abraham, who had led me in the way of truth to take the daughter of my master's brother. Now if you will deal kindly and truly with my master, tell me. If not, tell me, and I may turn to the right or to the left. Then Laban and Bethuel answered and said, The thing comes from the Lord. We cannot speak either bad or good. Here is Rebekah before you. Take her and go. Let her be your master's son's wife. And the Lord has spoken. And it came to pass when Abraham's servant heard their words, that he worshiped the Lord, bowing himself to the earth. And then the servant brought out jewelry and silver, jewelry of gold and of clothing, and gave them to Rebekah. He also gave precious things to her brother and to her mother. And then he and the men who were with him ate and drank and stayed all night. And then they arose in the morning, and he said, Send me away to my master. But her brother and her mother said, Let your young woman stay with us a few days, at least ten, and after that she may go. And he said to them, Do not hinder me, since the Lord has prospered my way. Send me away so that I may go to my master. So they said, We will call the young woman and ask her personally. And then they called Rebekah and said to her, Will you go with this man? And she said, I will go. So they sent away Rebekah, their sister, and her nurse, and Abram's servant and his men. And they blessed Rebekah and said to her, Our sister, may you become the mother of thousands. Of ten thousands, and may your descendants possess the gates of those who hate them. Then Rebecca and her maids arose, and they rode on the camels and followed the man. And so the servant took Rebecca, and they departed. Now Isaac came from the way of Beer Lahairoah, and for he dwelt in the south. And Isaac went out uh, to meditate in the field in the evening. And he lifted his eyes, and looking there, the camels were coming. Then Rebecca lifted her eyes, and when she saw Isaac. She dismounted from her camel. For she had said to the servant, Who is this man walking in the field to meet us? And the servant said, It is my master. So she took a veil and covered herself. And the servant told Isaac all the things that he had done. And Isaac brought her into his mother's Sarah tent. And they took Rebecca, and she became his wife. And he loved her. So Isaac was comforted after his mother's death.
1: Let's pray. Father, in the next few moments, as we look into the perfect law of liberty, the Word of God, may our hearts be inspired. May we have even greater revelation of who you are and your love toward us, Lord, your desires for us, and that, Lord, we would grasp that we are the bride of Christ and that we would be in love with the, with the groom in Jesus' name. Everyone said a strong amen. It's a beautiful picture. A beautiful picture. 67 verses that tell a magnificent truth, historical narrative. Abraham's son, Isaac, who was born of promise, as he grew in age, Abraham said to the servant in his house, the servant who had been over all of his house, Go and get a bride for my son don't take of the Canaanite women, go to my people. And so the servant goes, he takes with him, and he has this magnanimous prayer at a well, and while he is yet praying, this woman, Rebecca, comes down, and exactly as he asked of the Lord is exactly how it transpired, and therefore he puts on a nose ring and puts on bracelets on her wrist, she runs home to tell the family what has transpired. Laban sees all of this and he runs to the man and says come back and come into our house and you heard the rest of the story and we'll deal with some of that. But, but I want to remind us first today, and it's, it'll be a short message I think. <laughs> <laughs> Qualifications. <laughs> um, God Early on in our study in the book of Genesis, I said many, many times that the Western mind, when it comes to prophecy, we think prediction, fulfillment, prediction, fulfillment, but to the Jewish mind or the Hebrew Eastern mind, prophecy equals pattern, that God establishes pattern and it is repeatable, so much so that we see in history, the history of the Jews, what is known as typology. In fact, God speaks through the prophet Hosea and says, I have spoken to you through my prophets through similitudes and types. Hosea chapter 12 and verse 10. And this idea of type, it is a picture of some spiritual truth, a reality. And in this historical narrative, we have a fantastic type, a picture. In this type, Abraham is a type of God the Father. In this type, Isaac is a type of the Son, Jesus Christ. The unnamed servant is a type of the Holy Spirit. Rebekah is a type of the church. Laban is a type of the world. In this beautiful story, the father Sends out the spirit in search of a bride for his son. The servant goes and he finds Rebecca. Now, what does he do with Rebecca? He gives Rebecca gifts, he puts a nose ring. In her nose. He puts bracelets on her wrists. But it's keen to me that they are in their proper place. The gifts in their proper utilization or proper use. When she runs home, her brother, the scripture clearly tells us her brother saw the gifts, the nose ring on her nose and the bracelets upon her wrists. And he went and sought the unnamed servant to invite the unnamed servant into his own tent. Here's the type for you and I. God the Father has sent the Holy Spirit to find a bride for his son the bride of Christ the unnamed servant the Holy Spirit administrates gifts to the bride when the gifts are in their proper place the world will see the gifts and desire in their own tent the spirit of God the story of salvation a beautiful picture for you and I. You see, it's interesting for me to note in the body of Christ today, an area of tremendous confusion is in this area of spiritual gifts. Even saying that phrase, spiritual gifts, is somewhat of a, it's a misnomer. Because the scripture, Paul, when he's writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to the church in Corinth, he doesn't even call them spiritual gifts. He, calls, he uses the Greek word pneumatikos. It's spirituals. Gifts, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, as you would read it in your text, regardless of what version you have, will be in italics. Translators added that to bring clarification. They didn't help. (laughs) The Apostle Paul says under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant concerning spirituals. One of five times he said that. One area in the body of Christ that is in tremendous ignorance. Tremendous. And it's tragic because the world isn't seeing the gifts in proper place, and therefore they're not asking the Spirit of God to come in to their tent. Pastor Dennis, when he prayed just a little bit ago, he prayed for revival. Folks, I, I we believe, and we are believing for revival. Can I get an amen? amen. amen. We're for an awakening for those who do not know the Lord to come to the Lord and also those who know the Lord to be awakened in the Lord part of that is going to come and be us coming out of ignorance now in the New Testament there is reference to spiritual gifts lest you think, oh, i got to check out what Pastor Dave said. And you should. But you will find spiritual gifts in the text in Romans chapter 12. There are at least seven spiritual gifts identified there. You will also find in Scripture ministries of the Lord or administrations of the Lord. And there are five of them that are referenced in Ephesians chapter 4. And you will find operations of the Lord in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and a handful of others referenced in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. So three areas. We have gifts, administrations or ministries, and operations. And when we see his, Paul's description in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he references all three of those. And if and when those are functioning in our lives, here's one thing I would note. Note that Rebecca went back to the world, if you will. She went back home. She went to Laban. And Laban saw those gifts in their proper place. We, as the body of Christ, we cannot escape that we are in this world, but not of this world. But the main function of the gifts were not in the four walls of the church. For those of us, if you're new to Hillside, we are a Pentecostal church. What I mean by that, we believe in the operations of God. We believe in the full gospel. We believe in the gifts of the Spirit. We believe in the ministries of the Lord. And we believe in the operations of God. Can I get an amen? Amen. All that God has for us, we want. Amen. But it is not for internal oohs and ahs. Now, when they function inside the body, it's awesome. And it is beautiful. And we see God the Spirit working in the hearts and lives of one another. That is very inspiring. But the type says that they're operating outside for the world to see. Listen, on the day of Pentecost in the book of Acts chapter 2, like a mighty rushing wind, the Spirit of God flooded the room. Cloven tongues of fire descended on the heads of all the believers. They began to speak in tongues. And they went out, and the scripture says they were declaring the marvelous works of God. And they were declaring it in the languages of all the people that were there for the feast or festival of Pentecost. And all that were there heard the marvelous works. In their tongue, and it was about 9 o'clock in the morning, they assumed that these people were drunk. Peter stands up, and he preaches a message, and he sets the folks straight in their thinking. The Bible tells us 3,000 souls were added to the kingdom that day. The purpose of Pentecost is salvation. Salvation world will see the gifts in proper operation, in their proper place, and they will invite the Spirit of God in their own tent. You see that? That's so important for us as the body of Christ. Our passion, our desire for every man, woman, and child in our fellowship is that they would be baptized in the Holy Ghost. That you would be filled with power from on high. It is an enduing of power. Every person whose faith is in Jesus Christ, God the Spirit resides in you. Hallelujah. The Spirit of life lives in you. But Jesus declared to us that there was a, and I'll use the word second blessing, but there was an enduing of power said to the disciples, tarry ye in Jerusalem until the promise of my Father. And so they waited and they were filled with power from on high. The baptism of the Holy Ghost. How do we know they were already filled with the Spirit before the upper room experience? Because Jesus said to them, the Spirit of God is with you. Soon he will be in you. Then just shortly after that, he breathed on his disciples and he said, receive ye the Holy Ghost. I don't think he said it in King James English, but it just sounds good in the King James English. Receive ye the Holy Ghost. And he breathed on them. Did they receive the Holy Ghost at that point? Yes. Yes. So Pentecost, the upper room, it was an in-doing of power. For what purpose? The Bible says, Jesus said, tarry in Jerusalem until the promise of my Father, for you will receive power after that. The Spirit of God has come upon you, and you will be witnesses unto me. In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and unto the ends of the earth purpose for the power is to testify and witness of Jesus Christ in our life. The transformative power in our lives. How is that power being made manifest in you today? Are you more of an overcomer today than you were yesterday? Are you in a greater sense, being able to deny the flesh and follow the Lord, submitting to his authority in your life, to the conviction of the Spirit of God in your life. The beauty is, in this text, we find that once again, in the house, he administrates even more gifts to Rebecca, to Laban, and to other family members. There is an ongoing filling. We see this in the New Testament. Peter was filled again. Peter was filled on the day of Pentecost. You go to Acts chapter 4. He was filled again. And overflow or a new inflow if you will. Anybody here ever take a glass of water you fill it, you drink some and there's room for more. So we fill again. Spirit of God. He'll refill. He'll refill our cups. A good measure pressed down shaken together and running over. So some some interesting things in this typology for us to just be encouraged. I'm going to come back to the empowering and the gifts because we want to end there. Here's something noteworthy. Isaac in the text, this is the first time we've seen Isaac, he goes out from his father's house and he's in the field meditating. That's the first time we've seen Isaac again since when? Since he was offered on Mount Moriah and he was in type raised from the dead. And we see him no more until he goes out to meet his bride. There's a type of Jesus Christ. Jesus also was offered by his father, died a sacrificial death, raised from the dead, ascended into heaven, and we won't see him again until he comes out to meet his bride. That's you and I. Chuck Smith has a sermon out there. It's called. Uh, the camels are coming. That's us. And it's a, it's a perspective from God's perspective. Hey, the church is coming. And we're going to meet the bride. It's exciting. It's exciting. Uh, notice this. In the narrative. That Rebecca gave consent. She gave consent. I will go. I will go. She heard how God had moved. And it was the will of God. She sees it clearly. So she says, I'll go. Notice that the world tries to delay her. Stay here 10 days all kinds of excuses to come up as to why not to go with the Lord. Listen, some of your friends and some of your acquaintances and associates who you are ministering the truth of the gospel to, they're going to have their eyes open. Today is the day of salvation. There will be many reasons why not to go at that point. But notice Rebecca, she says, I will go, and she left all. She left it all. I'm out. Boom full surrender. She had not even, she had not seen Isaac. She barely knew anything about him. Family saying, stay 10 more days. Let us linger. Listen, there are going to be things in your life and my life that will cause delay in our lives. I want you to notice that Rebecca had immediate obedience to the Lord. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Do you see the parallel? You see the application in our own lives? how important it is when God speaks, we go and we listen. Think about those who have yet to consent, recognizing that the unnamed servant didn't make her go. He didn't make her go. He simply said, we need to go, and we need to go now. But it was her consent. Every man, woman, and child, God has given us what is known as volition, the ability to choose, the ability to choose. And so... For you and I, even in our revealing Christ in us, the hope of glory, we have choices that we make where we cooperate with the Spirit of God. If your life is a life that shows no power and authority, where you live just like you did when you were in the world, your life is not even going to be attractive because they're not going to see the power of God working in your life. But as you surrender to the Lord, and as you surrender to the things of the Lord, as you put your life. Under the power of God's word, that transformation power begins to work in you, and people will see something different in you. Does that make sense? That's important because we become salt and light. If the salt loses its savor, what's it good for? So, that saltiness. Uh, Did you notice in here, too, when the servant's at the well, this is just a quick Sidebar note, step out of the allegory for a moment, if you will. He prays, and while he's praying, while he's praying, his prayer is answered. That's powerful. How glorious it is for you and I when we're in the midst of prayer, that while we're praying, God answers our prayer. Turn in your Bibles real quick to the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah, write this scripture down, Isaiah 65. Isaiah 65 and verse 24 says this, It shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer, and while they are still speaking, I will hear. Oh, that God would just answer while we're still in communion with him, in conversation with him. Ah. I think it's noteworthy that when she leaves her father's house, there's a period of time where they're traveling. There's a picture of you and I in our walk of life. The beauty is the unnamed servant is there with them in the entire journey. The entire journey. Now, in my mind, I wonder what that journey was like. I wonder what the conversation was like. Think about this for a moment. Ladies, you've left your home, and you're going to be married to a man you've never seen. What questions might you have to this servant? you think you might ask a few questions about your husband-to-be? Tell me what he's like. What's he like? There are a number of things that are noteworthy in this relationship piece. Number one, I want you to I want you to pick up on something. Uh, Isaac wasn't out dating a bunch of girls, and Rebecca wasn't either. We find Isaac out in the field meditating and praying and talking to the things, of the, talking to the Lord. And we find out that Rebecca was a chaste woman. There's there's some wisdom in there about why we do things the way we do this whole idea of dating and all of that process uh, that's a mechanism of this world it's a system of this world that's another conversation and probably a sermon series but I think that's interesting so I wonder what that conversation was tell me about Isaac I think there's I think there's a in there is um, a suggestion for you and I that we can be seeking to discover whom we are married to. We are the bride of Christ, to know the groom and to know him well. The principal revelation of who the groom is is right here. So you and I doing our finding out who the groom is, listen, when Jesus arrives, you don't want to go, now where is he, which one is he, I don't know who he is. But when you see him, you want to go. Oh, there you are! There you are. Familiarity—it's becoming familiar with your Savior. How well do you know the Lord? He's a personal God. I love that Eleazar, the unnamed servant. We know who we know his name from chapter fifteen, the eldest servant in Abraham's house. But in this context, he's the unnamed servant because of the type. The Spirit of God will never draw attention to himself. He's always talking about the groom, Jesus Christ. He's always pointing the church, the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, to the groom. And he will also reveal to us the nature of the groom. And that's beautiful. We can get to know him. Those things being said, it's a beautiful chapter. It unveils many, many things that are true. They're spiritual truths. The principal one that I wanted us to be leaving with is those gifts, those administrations, and those operations in their proper place. Where there is tremendous confusion in the church in relationship to you know, wh- you know, what is proper, what is prophecy, what is speaking in tongues, what are messages in tongues, what are interpretations? What are words of wisdom? Words of knowledge? The laying hand, the laying of hands on people for the sick to be made or raised up and healed, divine healing. All of those kinds of things. Lots of confusion. And in the confusion and the misplaced things like a bracelet being put on an ear. You'd look at that and say, now that's weird. If you saw it, you'd say, that's weird. Imagine if you imagine if you went outside and you went to the mall and you noticed ten people walking around in the mall with shoes on their feet or er, on their hands. <laughs> shoes on their feet. Yeah, well. well, that's pretty normal. <laughs> but if they're walking around with shoes on their hands, you'd say, that, my friends, is weird. We live in Portland. No. <laughs> it wouldn't compute. Just like World, when they see things that are spiritual, it won't make sense to them if they're not in their proper place. Does it make sense? They'll think those guys are weird. Let me tell you something. Jesus is not weird. Are you all with me? Jesus' power is real. It's real. word of God says and I live thus and so and when they see that they'll say I want what you have power you're here today and you say I'd like some more bracelets earrings a necklace or two I want more of what God has for me. So that I can be a conduit in a greater measure to those in the world. That they might see God in Christ in me the hope of glory. Here's one thing that's noteworthy. Look at verse 30. So this is Laban. So it came to pass when he, the he here is Laban. Laban is a type of the world. So it came to pass when he, Laban, or the world, saw the nose ring and the bracelets on his sister's wrist, and when he heard the words of his sister, gifts in proper place, words, St. Francis of Assisi who said, preach the gospel and if necessary, use words. It is necessary that we use words. The operations, the gifts, the administrations of the Lord working in our lives and us conveying. They should be commiserate. They should be equal. We should not be saying one thing on social media or anywhere and living another way. That would be taking the Lord's name in vain. We ought not be doing that, right? What we say and how we live should be commiserate with exactly what we see in the Word of God. And that power will be made manifest. Now, if you're here today and you simply say, "I, I would love a fresh infilling of the Spirit of God. His gifts, his ministries, and his operations in my life. In a greater measure. I just want more of the Lord. I'm invite you to stand right where you're at. Just right now, you say, that's me. I want more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Yes. Amen. Amen. Fresh. Fresh. We're going to conclude with this. And here's the thing. When we're all done, and if you're still sitting, that's great. But when we're all done, we're going to we're gonna close in a word of prayer. I'm just going to pray, God, that we, he, we just fill us fresh with his spirit we're all done, we are headed up to the pizza place for some great fellowship and food. We are breaking down, so we need to tear everything down. So if you can stay for a few minutes and help us, we're going to try and stack all the chairs toward the middle so that the curtains and stuff can come down and get rolled up right away, and uh, platforms and so forth can get taken down. Last week went very, very fast. If you can help stack chairs, we're stacking to the middle. It's marvelous. Come and join us up at the pizza place and let's talk about what God's doing in our lives and that what we're desiring in our lives more. We'll talk about some of those ministries in the days ahead. We'll talk about some of those gifts in the days ahead. And we'll talk more about those operations even in the days ahead. Because our desire is that there would be no confusion. That they would just simply be flowing through the body of Christ in a very natural way, supernaturally. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the typology by way of pattern, those things that you are doing and have done and are continuing to do. Say, Father, we yield ourselves and say yes. Lord, our desire is for a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit. Like the church in the book of Acts, that you would come over us like a mighty rushing wind and that you would fill us fresh Fill us fresh. More of you, less of us. We empty these vessels. We confess the junk in our lives and where we've crowded you out. We say, will you come and fill a good measure pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Lord, we pray for the ministry gifts, the motivational gifts. We pray, God, for the ministries, the administrations of the Lord, and we pray, God, for the operations. Oh, that there would be words of wisdom and words of knowledge. Lord, that we would lay our hands upon the sick and pray, and the prayer offered in faith will raise up the one that is sick to the glory of God, to the glory of God, that that one who is healed would say, I need Jesus, that salvation would occur, Lord, in our lives. Go before us, Lord. Holy Spirit, will you walk with us in our journey, revealing Jesus in a greater measure to us day by day that we might fall deeper in love with the one whom we are eagerly waiting for his return. Oh God, we say as the bride of Christ, come Lord Jesus, come. Will you in the meantime fill fresh with your spirit for the glory of God, for the converting of souls in our lives. Lord, we love you and we praise you and we ask the undoing of power. In Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people said a strong amen. Amen, amen. Listen, if you've asked, the Spirit of God is being poured out into your lives. Let's go in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, and let's be salt and light in our communities. God bless you, and we'll see you up at the Pizza Place. Thanks for sticking around to help tear down. God bless.